Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, Mike. Dave. Yeah. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start with good things, and Craig does that. Go. Uh, I just did a reread of Legends and Lattes. It's pretty good, guys. I recommend it. (laughs) All right, Dave. Uh, So there's a new theorist channel. It's uh, youtube.tv slash... um, Food Theory. fourth channel. It's Style Theory. Uh, So if you like... Matt Pat's channels, it's more of the same, but style theory. The end. I just watched his latest video. Um, I watched the uniform one and one of his first ones, too, on that channel. I learned stuff. It's good. Yeah, I watched the first batch, and I think the rest of them since then. But, you know, if you like Matt Pat, it's more of his stuff. He has more time to create now that he's sold his company and delegated some of the back-end responsibilities, so able to keep up with four channels now what if i don't like matt pat is all of that other stuff still true no okay (laughs) if you don't like matt pat then it turns out he's uh still living in an apartment in new york and trying to get his feet on the ground Uh uh-huh wait no no he's not i don't want the responsibility for that well you better like him then oh no this is too much those are your options yeah, he, he had a, a recent video on the Style Channel about um, washing your legs in the shower. It was a weird one. It was a weird one, but I learned some things. You Craig learned, learned to wash his legs in the shower. <laughs> no, not actually. He learned that he doesn't have to wash his legs. But only if you get a good lather going and you don't have just one of those diagonal crappy showers. Like You need a, a decent shower to get some good like water flow going. And Tori is making faces right now. You guys can't see this, but she's making faces at this. Before that episode came out, I never even heard of not washing your legs. Uh, there was a thing on Twitter about it a while back. That's probably why there was a MatPat episode about it six months later. I would have to guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well, my good thing this week is the band OK Go, and specifically their music videos, which are except for their very, very early stuff. Extremely creative and a lot of fun to watch and usually involve very elaborate setups like Rube Goldberg machines or uh, recording the video in about a second and a half and then it actually plays out in slow motion for like the length of the song. I'm impressed at that. How many how many takes do you think that was? A lot. I, mean, I bet a lot. A lot, yeah. <laughs> all, much- all of this stuff takes like elaborate setup and yeah. How much time do you think between takes to set up for the the like paintball shooting one? Isn't it all like one take though? It well, yes, but that doesn't mean that it only that they got it on the first take. That actually makes it way harder to do. But yeah, okay, goes music videos are pretty phenomenal. I've really been enjoying uh, the song "Needing Getting," where the video is that they all get into a car and they drive around like a pre-setup track uh, where stuff sticking out of the car plays a bunch of instruments that they have set up on the track. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. 
It's really good. Sounds and the song is also neat. extremely good. I'm glad we have a group that's actually making fun music videos. Like, I, I miss those days, and OK Go is channeling that. Yeah, they're doing good stuff. Uh, Tori, I think it's your turn. Uh, so my good thing this week is uh, a book called The Girl with All the Gifts. Um, it was, uh, I had heard about it before, but I hadn't read it when it came out. And then uh, there was an article on the internet saying, oh, everyone's talking about The Last of Us. Why is nobody talking about this book that came out around the same time that the game did and has an eerily similar plot? Um, it, the author of the article was not accusing the book author, uh, M.R. Carey, I think, of... Uh, plagiarizing the idea just it was one of those you know people spontaneously had the same idea at the same time so um the cordyceps fungus uh, makes the leap to humans uh causes the infected humans to become flesh-eating zombies uh that are trying to spread the fungus um there is a, a government research facility where uh, some children are um being imprisoned and um tested because they're apparently immune to the fungus um and the main character is one of these children a girl named melanie um who has grown up in this uh research facility and has no idea about the outside world and then uh spoiler alert the fences fall and so she's thrust into the outside world where all these zombies are and uh has to survive with the company of a few um other employees of the research facility. It, it was a really good book. Uh, I also watched the movie that was based on it. Uh, they made a slight change to the end of the movie. I would love to talk about it with anyone who has both read the book and seen the movie, uh, probably in a spoiler channel somewhere. But um, the the movie was pretty good as well. Um, I saw. So the, I, I hmm? looked it up, and it came out in 2014. Yes. And the movie came out in 2016. That is a short like time span to get like book to movie yeah and and from my research it looks like yeah, the, Brandon, the book what's was taking just... so long <laughs> it looks like the book was just really well received when it came out uh it was one of those that was like greenlit for cinema as soon as the arc hit the shelves and uh wow yeah so and it was a really good movie uh, had I, ha I have not heard of it. Yeah, Glenn Close was in it as the uh, the evil scientist, and um, uh, just the girl with all the gifts. It sounds like it should yeah. be animated. Kind of does, yeah. Uh, and if she's got all the gifts, for <laughs> gifts. Yeah, one of those. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So it's based on a short story, and yeah. it was written concurrently with the screenplay. So that's why it came out so fast. It like turned into a movie so fast. Yeah, and it was like the short story came out in 2012. Last of Us, the game, came out in 2013. And then this novel came out in 2014. So anyone trying to say everybody's copying each other, I don't know. It kind of looks like it all, you know, just people having the same idea at the same time. And um, it's it's different enough from The Last of Us that it, I really think they just had the same idea at the same time. Yeah, games take... I think longer like games of this yeah. like of this level of the AAA release level tend to take longer than yeah than than that would allow. Now Dave's giving me a look. It's entirely possible that they just had an idea for a zombie game and then read the short story and they were like mushroom zombies. 
Like that absolutely could happen, but generally like just the the dev cycle on on a AAA game is holy crap freaking long. I will say that there was something in the Last of Us TV show that was not in the game but was in this book. So do with that what you will. And like I said, I would love to talk with you guys about it. Uh, anyone who has read and seen all the things or doesn't mind hearing spoilers, I, I would love to run this by somebody, maybe in the Tory Talk I'm, channel. Come come talk to I'm me, please. I'm in that second <laughs> group, so yeah, whenever you want. Uh, so before we get into chapters, you guys want to talk about the article? Oh my god. I was wondering oh, wow, if we should bring yes. it up. Um, and I want to say, yeah. do not... But- Let's all talk about it, because we all know what's going on. Okay, I will help you, Dave. Um, do not give Wired any clicks. I shouldn't even say their name. They're stupid. Well, the journal. All right, Craig's, Craig's doing a bad job of getting into this, so I'll take over. There was I'm an mad. article on Wired that a guy, like, six months ago spent a day with Brandon Sanderson, and the article is bad and is is very mean toward Brandon. Brandon has been a class act about this in every interaction since then. Uh, that's really all I wanted to say about the article, just just to acknowledge and address it and move on. So I will say Daniel Green has a really good synopsis of it, and that way you don't have to give them clicks. You can go watch Daniel Green, and he can he talks about it in a, a mostly neutral way. You can just see how bad the writer is. And yeah, Daniel Green is also just pretty solid in general. He produces way more content than I can consume, so I'm thoroughly behind on his stuff. But he does good stuff. Green with an E at the end on YouTube. Yeah, I, I refuse to read the article, so I don't know what the comments say, but just don't. Like, he... The guy's such a hack. Oh my god, so, he's so bad. Uh, I did read the article on Wired because I I hadn't heard I hadn't heard about it. Uh, I think this was the day it came out, and one of my friends was uh, who is also a, a Sanderson fan uh, sent me a link, and I was like, "Oh, an article about Brandon Sanderson. I have to read that." And oh man, <laughs> the the guy who wrote this article, and I don't remember his name, and I don't care to look it up. Um, he held nothing back. Boy, he he has opinions, and he shared them. He shared them freely. <laughs> He sounds um, like a guy that was given an assignment to go interview Brandon Sanderson, and he just didn't want to. So he's like, I'm going to just write the worst thing ever after like 18 months or something like that. I don't know. That Yes, that is what it sounded like to me as well. Um, one of the things that he says in the article is that Brandon Sanderson is just not a good writer. And, and he gives several examples of uh, things that he feels like make Brandon not a good writer. And well, he proceeds to be a bad writer. Oh, uh, setting that aside for a minute, <laughs> like, okay, yes, I I have an English degree. Uh, I took a couple of literature classes. I took lit theory. Sure, by that metric, Brandon Sanderson is not a heavy air quotes here. Good writer. Nope. But by every other metric, he is. <laughs> so, um, um, I. I, I think the term people keep aiming for and missing is Brandon's prose is simple, uh, yes. which is not inherently bad. It's not inherently good. Uh, also, Craig, to your point, you don't have to be a good artist to criticize art. Yeah, but he's a you journalist. You shouldn't have to be. He's, he's okay. supposed to be able to write he's, he's, good articles. He's not a prose writer. I mean, you 
I mean, you if, can criticize art without being good at art. Like that—that that should yeah, not yeah. be a prerequisite. Granted, and otherwise, what are we if doing? The complaint Come on. is that Brandon's <laughs> writing is too simple. Well, I have this to say: some people don't enjoy reading Tolkien because it's too complicated. So, Tolkien like, was I, the next thing I was going to bring up. Like by all of the metrics that you learn about in literary theory class, Tolkien is a terrible author. Absolutely, uh, and yet has stood the test of time, and people love him and read him on an annual basis. And um, hey, how odd! Another really big world builder. Yes, and it, all, world pretty hopper. Much, pretty much all of my favorite authors fall into this uh, lit theory: not a good writer camp. And uh, that was probably one of the reasons I argued so much with my lit theory professor. Um, no, that was I mean, the reason I, I argued so much with my lit theory professor. That was my least favorite that... class, and I hated it. And here I am <laughs> doing lit theory for a podcast in my free time. <laughs> the world is funny. Well, and you were like, I'm never going to use this in my real life. And she was like, it's just like math. Mm-hmm. Math is real. So, so, Mike, I don't know if you read the article, but the the thing is, it's not that, you know, he's just a journalist. He was trying, like, you could tell by the stuff the the way he was writing and the, the things he was trying to set up and describe and explain like that is my problem that he's trying to come off like a writer criticizing another writer and it's so bad it's just so bad and i well, am not a writer and i'm going to criticize the heck out of that article and yeah you can you can criticize his writing but you don't have to make it as a comparison right he, he like, did it. I'm just, <laughs> he was the one who called Brandon a bad writer. And I'm like, well, you're not much of one either, buddy. Just, just saying, like, uh, Roger Ebert made a couple of movies and they were really, really bad. Doesn't mean that he was, like, not qualified <laughs> to be a movie critic. That reminds me of Jay yeah, Sherman. It is true. <laughs> it says his, like, college thesis film that he shows his family. And he's like, I know, it stinks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've watched but enough like, game reviewers and everything to know that you can get a good review, you have a different perspective, and I respect that. I respect good critics and journalists. This guy is not one of those. I think, I at think the, that, yeah, that's, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter if this guy is a good journalist or not. It doesn't matter if Brandon, Brandon is a good author or not. What matters is that we enjoy his works and we're going to continue to enjoy his works and he's going to continue enjoying his 10 million dollars that he makes annually according to that article um that one of the I other things i learned one of the, one of the other things that i learned in those lit theory classes is that there were a whole lot of really popular at their time and considered good authors that we don't hear about anymore today and for all I know, Brandon might be one of those. Like, it could be that a few decades from now, nobody is going to be reading or talking about his stuff. Do we care? Because we're living right now in this current time, and we're enjoying the shit out of his stuff. So um, let's just keep doing that. Um, that's my take on it. Thanks for making me have to go in and edit that out. <laughs> you are welcome. I saw Mike like, oh, I have to. Oh, I, have to I had that, that split part. second thought of i shouldn't cuss and then i i did it anyway because i was feeling it mike i was really feeling it okay article addressed let's do chapters oh 
my good thing this week is if the Cosmere <laughs> Deep Dive podcast was a bomb defusal team, Craig would be like the dispatcher guy who's looking up on Wikipedia how to defuse a bomb while everybody else is trying to do it. <laughs> M as in Mancy. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a reference to Psych. Uh, Archer, actually, but yeah. Oh, Someone's going to get that. There was That actually reminds me of a scene from Monk where who's the dumb guy rodney or whatever who's the dumb guy from my monk last what is his name not last i know i i forget i but know who anyway, you mean. the guy the dumb guy from monk he was like t is in tsunami <laughs> <laughs> although my my favorite part where that was when he was doing research on a suspect and he's like i don't think this is our guy chief first of all he's been living in paris for the last 10 years second of all he died six months ago. Third <laughs> of all. Randy then, Disher. His name was Randy, Randy Disher. Disher. Yeah. And then Stottlemyre's like, I don't think you need a third of all. In fact, I would have started with the second of all. <laughs> Alright. Anyway, doesn't like Psych officially take place after Monk? Like chronologically? Isn't there like the end of Monk had a reference to Psych? Other way around, uh, the uh, end of Psych had a reference to Monk that they've got a guy in San Francisco. Right. Well, they referenced it, were... but Psych definitely was recorded and shown after Monk. Uh, and then there were a lot of the uh, the USA like ads for their mm, shows mm-hmm. that had crossover. Yeah. That, that's sort of the problem. That's what I think of. Uh, Psych was 2006 until, like, I don't, well, technically it's ongoing because they made movies, but I don't know. What? Uh, 2014 Chapter, and Monk is 2002 until two, <laughs> 2010, which means you need to, to cut 92. the red wire. <laughs> uh, thanks, bomb defusal guy. I looked it right. up. We're doing chapters 88 it. to 92, Dave. And next week we're finishing part four. Are you excited? I bet you are. Part four was fast. Well, we got to get to part five. Welcome to the Sander True. Tsunami. Chapter 88, Falling Star. Fenley caught the thing. Eshenai doesn't approve. Humans are like rock buds. Eshenai wants a pet chasm fiend, but she'll have to settle for a pet light spring. Humans are like rock buds. Ogres. <laughs> All right, we're onions. twenty minutes into this episode. <laughs> Chapter eighty-nine. <laughs> Voice of lights. Uh, so yeah, chapter eighty-eight. I guess wait, it's a flashback, wait, wait. and someone. I got this one. A, Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, Dave. Ahead. Dave is saying this like we're never like twenty twenty-five minutes in before we start the episode. All right, Venley caught the thing. Uh, it's a storm spren <laughs> that she caught from lightning during a high storm. Apparently, that allows them to cross over very, yeah, she... very shortly. Mm-hmm. And then she's able to trap a few in gems, and she's been working on this for a while now. But she finally got a pretty good method. Yeah, she just goes out with a jar and catches lightning bolts in it. Easy. The yeah. only thing I remember from that chapter, uh, since I've reread it like last week, was Tim, Tim Tamber. That's the word. Tim Burton. Tim Burton's big Tim fish. Tim Burton Tamber. Johnny Depp? That's Tim Burton's big fish, right? <laughs> no, uh, Big Depp. Fish actually had uh, Ewan McGregor in it mm-hmm. as the starring role. It's true. But like and it's one of the better fish, Tim Burtons. The actual fish that he milked was Johnny Depp. Yes. 
Uh, Eshenai doesn't approve. <laughs> Eshenai doesn't approve of a lot of stuff. Like, Eshenai is, is very anti-Venly throughout their childhood. Not anti-Venly. Yeah, but... She's very big sister energy. Like, that's how big sisters She's just do. Pro I don't Eshenai. have any sisters, but I'm assuming from I would from say anime. this. Eshenai is pro-Eshenai. Venly is anti-Eshenai. I don't know. I think Eshenai has a point here, though, because Venli is totally up to Venli's not up to any good. Like she is legit gonna resurrect. But Eshenai doesn't know that. She is basing this entirely on she's acting on having weird. like a grudge against her sister. Venli had like no. one section Eshenai where she's acting like someone who has a crush on the the general of the foreign army. <clears throat> Ven- just, just okay. Ven- Eshenai is right this time, but we shouldn't give her credit for that. Just because Venli is actually guilty of terrible, terrible things doesn't mean that Eshenai is right to chastise her. Yeah, it's kind of like if you play Carmen Sandiego and you get the villain right, well, like, you still have to know where they are. And, <laughs> That's true. Okay, it, it's and, more... And, like, get the evidence for the warrant, you know? It's it's more than that, though, because Venli has been acting very... Like, she's not attuning to rhythms. I think she attuned to one of the the uh, odium rhythms at one point by accident, like in the very beginning. I think there was a hint. They didn't know what it was at the time. Is derision an odium rhythm? Because I remember derision showing up. It seems like it would be an odium. Derision, uglification, Uh, Anyway, humans are like rock buds in the same way that ogres are like onions, but not like parfaits. Everybody loves parfaits. You ask somebody if they want a parfait, they're going to say yes. Is this an intro to our patron content, Mike? (laughs) <laughs> it could be, but we'll get to that later. All right. Uh, uh, Eshenai wants... A, okay, this is such a weird scene. Um, Eshenai goes out in the storm, and she's in her war form, and she's like, I used to hate these storms, but it's actually cool, because I don't feel the cold rain in my war form, and I'm big and strong and powerful, and, ah, crap, there's a chasm fiend. Why is there a chasm fiend? It's staring at me. Oh, God, it's staring at me. Is their vision based on movement like a T-Rex? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And there's a star spren, and we cut scene. But it was a I am me and all along. All right. Chapter 89, then, I guess. Voice. Is their vision based lights. on movement like a T-Rex? And also, how did Alan, Alan Grant know that? You can't possibly know that from the fossil record. Yeah, look, he Why looked not? at its eye. Then he knew. Uh, maybe there are other animals with similar, um, I don't know, skeletal structures. Like, you, like you can tell you from a dog's skull if it's the kind that is a sniffer hound or not. So maybe there's something about a T-Rex skull that indicates it's, I don't know, I'm just I'm just making stuff uh, up. And Mike is implying that Jeff Goldblum doesn't have psychic characters that he bestows on every character he plays. Well, that's, Jeff Goldblum is not. Yeah, that was Dr. Ian Malcolm. Yeah, that's a different You're character. A... Sexy Dr. Ian Malcolm. Uh, <laughs> that's who, implied. The sexy, pose, the sexy pose, by the way, is after he's been chewed up by a T-Rex. Grant and was he's the main guy with the dumb himself hat. Up. I don't know how that got taken out of context so thoroughly by pop culture, <laughs> but it really did. Come on. Why are you surprised at this? this is how can you do. not know, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get it. Yeah, like 90s Jeff Goldblum. Absolute smoke show. I, I'm 2023 sorry. 2023 Jeff Goldblum, also an absolute smoke show. That my, man did not my age. My first Jeff Goldblum was Earth Girls Are Easy, so. <laughs> that that one caught me by surprise because I, I actually did a, a watch of that not too many years ago. And I'm like, wow, that, okay. Oh my god, I love that movie. <laughs> uh, up until a certain point, the Cronenberg The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. I just whistled into a microphone. I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> 
No, I get it. You're the I get one that it. has to edit it. I know. I'm. It's going to be painful for me. But Tori gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum can get it. Like, uh, where like, were we? Eight, chapter 89? Julie. Who's uh, some, Chasm who's, Fiend. Uh, Who's that? Who's that smoking hot girl from Mary Poppins? Julie Andrews. <laughs> the Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews. Yes. Yeah. No, so, I think it's Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music. Should we recast Jeff Goldblum as Dalinar? No. I mean, you can. I'm not. Gonna. I could. I'm, I could I'm see not. Jeff think, Goldblum is Kellick. Dalinar requires a certain angry dad energy, and I don't get that from Jeff Goldblum at all. That's Ryan fair. Reynolds. That's very fair. Yeah. <laughs> I already have too many joke castings that I promised to use that I've already forgotten about. I don't want to add more. <laughs> I'm running out of video game characters. <laughs> Although, I did actually want to cast League of Legends characters as the Nine Unmade. And I have a couple a couple in mind. But we'll oh, I'm save excited it for, for that. <laughs> yes, I am are excited are we for doing, that, Dave. Are we doing cast lists for this book? We're already like 90% done. Oh, we started doing them at the end of the book, I thought. Yeah. When? An Edge Dancer? A couple of books ago? I just do what the diagram tells me. Chapter 89. Tori just does what the diagram tells her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, no. Chapter 89, Voice of Lights. How is an actor like a scientist, Craig? How is a raven like a writing desk? That's the second Lewis Carroll reference of this episode. And with, with many am I, I don't get this joke. What I'm was sorry. I was an actor. Oh, I remember. I don't know, okay. Dave. How is an actor remember. like a scientist? Static and kinetic investiture. Investiture. So, all right. So the term static and kinetic, the only physical property that I could think of that those two actual words are modifiers for is friction, which is a force. Because we have static friction and kinetic friction, right? Although... Alright, so the first thing I think of when I hear static and kinetic is friction, which is a force, but the way it's described sounds more like electromagnetism, which is not my field of expertise. Because I was flirting with the girl sitting in the desk next to me when they explained Coulomb's Law, and when you miss Coulomb's Law, you basically miss everything about electromagnetism. So it's not my field of expertise. Mike? I get it. I'm not not laughing, but I get it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, and now, all right, we got him. Uh, next scene, <laughs> Mizthla, XKCD reference. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Ravoniel <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what's the XKCD reference? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll recap it, uh, okay. or you will. You'll recap it. Ravoniel <laughs> is unmaking the sibling. But if there are ten unmade, then won't that mean Odium has to hide all the Dragon Balls all over again? And then I realized that we actually did equate. <laughs> the unmade the dragon balls already. <laughs> I thought I made that up this week, but I was listening to an older episode. I was catching up, and I was like, "Oh, I've I've already compared Nergal to a dragon ball." Uh, mayonnaise people, and remember cymatics? It's back in kill odium form. <laughs> I like that. All right, one. Craig, walk us through chapter eighty-nine. Yeah, good luck, me. Uh, oh, so I think it begins with Navani is talking to Ravonial and. Rabunio's like, so why do you mention in your notes that you're not a scholar? And mm-hmm. Navani likes to discuss that she likes to be a patron and, of the scholars. And Navani's like, I have imposter syndrome. Yeah, Navani is imposter syndrome the character. Um, I don't know. I, I think she's a little bit... Like, she, she knows a lot more than she's giving herself credit for. I think you're missing, missing an important 
question, and that is, how is an actor like a scientist? Okay, how is an actor like a scientist? They both have lines. Oh. Uh, what? Because it was in the book. You'd have to... Navani is a big fan of data. And yes. All data oh, and so, she's, so she's Dr. Pulaski from season One is two, my name, the other is not. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys do you guys spell it data or data? They spelled the same, but they're pronounced differently. That's what oh. makes it a homograph. Although homograph typically means two different words, not two different pronunciations of the same word. So the the talk uh, about static homograph is when they're written the same but sound different, and then like attribute and attribute. So right. homophone, right? Like which are interesting because the they're also different different uh, forms of the same word. Yeah, homophones. Att- attribute is attribute is a noun, and attribute is a verb, but they're technically homographs. Well, homo means same, and graph means writing. So a homograph yeah. is written the same. A homophone phone sounds, sounds the, the same, same. but they're and spelled a homonym, a homonym means same name, which is what we used to call homophones. But homophone made more sense than homonym because, like, all right, same name. Do you mean it's written the same or it sounds the same? Static and kinetic investiture. Homophone is a better better word than homonym. So yeah, static and kinetic Uh. (laughs) investiture, they're talking about the experiments and how actively trying to do something to the investiture tends to... to... Oh, shoot. What's the experiment that they're actually doing now? I don't remember. Sand. (laughs) Just playing with sand. Okay, just playing with sand. Oh, that's right. My point is that... The the amount of, of energy used. Uh, my point is that they they use the terms static and kinetic, which in you know our world, static and kinetic are two different types of friction. Well, so my up. take on it was that they're actually in our world. We say there's potential and kinetic energy. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds almost like they're describing potential and kinetic energy. I think that's what it means. It's just that the the terminology used is terminology that we use for friction. Right. But you know, Brandon they, they tapped his thesaurus mind. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who Misthla is. Misthla. I'm just glad you tried to pronounce the name. <laughs> That's all I wanted. That's okay. The only reason I wrote it. I don't remember hey who guys, that is. I'm considering a new tier on Patreon where people pay us a larger amount of money to get us to read messages, and an option there is words for Craig to say. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. Make it a lot for of money. money. Make oh it money, Craig. I will do yes. it for money. <laughs> I would pay for that. Heck, heck I want to pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Show you guys. I secretly know how to pronounce a lot of words, and I just do it wrong on purpose. That reminds me. <laughs> All right. All you right, what's the XKCD it? reference, Dave? So you remember that XKCD where... Yes. Yep, cute. I do. <laughs> It's a cue ball pulls the lever and he gets zapped by a lightning bolt. And he's like, like normal person. Hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. And then scientist. I wonder if that happens every time. (laughs) Yes, I remember (laughs) that one, actually. Uh, For some reason, this scene reminded me of that. And I think it was like that Mistla was a normal person and didn't continue to science. Oh, I was going to guess that Mistla was the name of the uh, Stormform guard who Navani got to do a little a little lightning bolt. Not a big one, a little one. Yeah, that that is the the storm form. Yeah, that's that's who that is. I don't remember this chapter well enough to explain why I thought of that XKCD reference, but 
I'm impressed with myself for remembering that was well, the one. Well, they, they mentioned of, how this is not the first time the experiment was done, but last time it was a bit too much, and Navani reminds them as that they go on, not as strong this time. And he reminds her, I'm not an idiot yeah. anymore, because he used to be uh, a parchment who didn't have a connection or an identity, and thus couldn't really work? brain. Did I know that? You've known that for a long time, Dave. So anyway... Uh, Rabonio does give Navani a title, which is the Voice of Lights, and as we know from earlier chapters, that's sort of a big deal in singer culture to actually be granted a, to a have title. a title like the Pursuer or the Lady or of Wishes. Vire. Yep, Vire. He has we a title. We don't talk about Vire. He who quiets. I wish he would quiet. Now, Rabonio mentions flat out what she's trying to do. She's trying to unmake Himself. the sibling, and. This, this brings into the question. Now, keep in mind, Dave, uh, the thrill has been captured in a gemstone and is currently in, like, the middle of the ocean. And also... No, Craig, the thrill is horses. What? The thrill is not in the middle of the ocean. The thrill is horses. I, I feel like I should get that. I don't understand. That the picture. thrill is horses. Was that picture just Nergal? Uh, yeah, I yeah. thought it was a picture of all the unmade. Like, I thought the wheel of horses was the nine unmade. Oh, that was a picture of... of uh... The thrill? Anyway. Yeah, and it's, it's described me in, uh, at the end of Oathbringer. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah, the thrill is horses. Nergal. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Fugu <Mabu. laughs> Um Fugu grads. <laughs> but they're currently in a perfect gemstone <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. And Beitamistrum is missing in action, but so are they in a perfect gemstone somewhere. So we currently only have uh, seven? seven unmade. So are you saying that the sibling is being trained as a replacement to Nergal and or Ba'edo Mishram? I mean, we don't actually know if that's the plan, but y you were presuming that there would be 10 unmade, like, walking around at once, and that's not the case. Yeah, because there okay, can't be 10 unmade, because then, then Odium, that would be, like... Odium, Odium would forget one of them. Two of them are so locked away somewhere. It doesn't mean they stopped existing, Craig. There yeah. would still be 10 unmade. Yeah, but Odium would just forget the name of one of them. So I, I think the fact that Rabonio multiple times in this week's chapter says, oh, I'm going to unmake the sibling, or I'm going to cause the sibling to become unmade. Like, okay, so I think what Rabonio is trying to do is turn the sibling into the type of spren that Nergol or Ba Ada Mishram or Sjatanad is. That's it. They know, oh no. They're on the Sjatanad. They're going to kick her out it's, of the club and replace her with the sibling. It's like the Sith. Uh, there are only two, ever. Except <laughs> in all the times when there were a bunch more than two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if there were, were ten unmade, then like, then Odium would become Honor and GG. But no, oh man. Honor is dead, but I'll make a tenth unmade and <laughs> make a new Honor. But yeah, like, what if they're on the Sjatanad and they're, they're like, uh, they're, they're training... The sibling to replace Jatanat. Oh. Uh, can you scroll down your notes, Dave? Dragon Balls. Mayonnaise people. I don't... That's my favorite uh, song by the Prodigy. <laughs> that's... That's, uh... I think that's the girl that Doug had a crush on. That mayonnaise person. Mm -hmm. What true. were we saying mayonnaise light? Was that the... Was that Rhythm of War <laughs> before Rhythm of War? Oh... Mayonnaise light is any sort of combined light, so we now know of two, war light uh, and tower light. Well, oh, I was oh, using oh. it specifically for combining odium and honor, 
because yeah, we already had yeah. the term tower light we needed a term for the other thing which is why we came up with mayonnaise light and, and then and the Navani thing, and that's the canon name for it that everyone will use from here forth uh Navani thinks to herself because uh, she wants to work together with Raboniel and say hey let's stop the siege and actually work together and deal with the odium and Raboniel's like nah you can't trust me don't do it so Navani thinks to herself is there a way we can find that uh thing that makes us work together I forgot the term emulsifier emulsifier uh that's not what I meant when I wrote mayonnaise like the mayonnaise people oh, okay I meant something well, different I'm on board with mayonnaise light or light mayonnaise. I'm not on board with Miracle Whip. I don't like the stuff. Oh, no, I hate it. What about heavy-duty mayonnaise? Oh, yeah. Uh, eggs and oil, baby. Uh, I, I forgot to, to mention, when Navani was given the title, she also brought in a couple of other singers to to essentially sing the rhythm. of. I think it is the rhythm of war that they're doing, correct? Correct. Like Maybe they, they're the mayonnaise people. Like so that way she. But honestly, I don't remember. I just remember that Craig is wrong. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm like, wait, am I wrong about this? No, I was wrong about mayonnaise people. That's fine. Um, yeah. So they come in. Daniel brings in um like a traditional um singer instrument to to play the the sixteen piece orchestra with full choir. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a single string on a plate of metal, mm-hmm. except they have two of them that do, do do two different tones, and Rabonia was playing the drums. Yeah. So, it's neat. She gets to hear it. But, oh, what's this? At the very end, she knows she had, uh, Navani had one of her experiments still set up, which had sand set up, uh, I think, with a, a stone or gem uh, in the middle. But the sand is laid or out. Gemstone. And we actually get to see uh, the, I guess, essentially the rhythm in sand in sand uh-huh. form it's pretty cool and then they can print it onto a record and play it on their phonograph or that thing edison or what's the other thing called a radio mm. i don't know but it's the last time we're ever gonna see sand in this podcast ever <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. look forward to it listeners i mean hey i've seen white sand but i haven't read it yet <laughs> It is currently sitting back. right next right, to so me. I'm ready to read it. If you guys are just hopping in, if you want to get on board with the, the White Sand stuff, if you're new to the podcast, uh, go back and find the Arcanum Unbounded episode where I summarize the uh, the sneak peek at White Sand without reading any of the words. <laughs> it's pretty That's great. all you need to know? It might, that might be my, that's my magnum opus right there, summarizing White Sand. Not summarizing, but reading White Sand without, without reading, reading it. it. <laughs> I, I believe that Dave has better things in him, but at the moment, yeah, that, that is the height. <laughs> that is the zenith <laughs> of our podcast was that. Hey, chapter 90. One chance to rule them all. Did you know Dalinar almost killed Stormfather? I didn't. The audience is only allowed to ask questions unless Adolin asks them a question. Hockey-style ejection. This cryptic was probably killed by a newbie radiant named Shalon. Adolin loses the rigadool. Alright, what do you think of those words, Craig? Are they accepted? Yeah. Do you do you want me to summarize it? I actually I know this chapter a lot better than the yeah, other one. Yeah, do it. Do it uh, well, we start off with the Simpsons reference. <laughs> Uh, and then Adolin <laughs> is bad at following the rules that have been explained to him. Uh, the rule, the rule—you mean the rules being you're gonna lose? 
<laughs> I mean, basically. I mean, he, he does follow that role. Butthead sketch. He follows that role. Like, he cho- okay, he chose this style of trial because the rules are simpler and easier for him to understand, and then he immediately forgets the very few rules that are involved in this. He's a passionate guy. He speaks his mind sometimes. It happens. Well, he also got baited. He, he did. He really did. And they're like, oh, you can... It's a, but the rules are dumb. They're like, you can say whatever you want as long as it's in the form of a question. So basically, you can say X as long as you phrase it as, did you know X? Like, it's it's jank, dude. These honor spread, man. They're not very I mean, honorable. They, they specifically mentioned that that was just barely within the rules, and if he kept going with it, he'd probably get thrown out. No, that's and because the guy, in the, the guy in the audience slipped up and almost forgot to say, did you know? But he added it at the end. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Did you know that? Like, it's kind of like in Jeopardy when you forget to phrase your response in the form of a question, but you can, like, real quick fix it before it... Uh, before you get penalized for it. Actually, it's literally that. This trial is literally Jeopardy. But if he gets uh, if he gets proven innocent, then he can't be tried for double Jeopardy. I think it's Alex it Trebek Jeopardy or like the well, string of randos hosting for a week at a time Jeopardy. Matt Pat Jeopardy. Adolin is allowed to speak only in sentences and not questions. Or statements, not questions. Well, he's allowed to ask a question, but if he asks a question, then he opens he, the floor yeah. to whatever right. response. Exactly. The audience. The audience yes, can only very, ask questions. Very simple rules that he didn't follow immediately. That's Adolin our boy. is bad. That's our boy. A lot of things. It's a but good he's thing good he's at, pretty. He's good he's at good heart. at duels, but not at word duels. It's also and probably a good not thing. at wordle. It's also a good thing that his wife is a magic assassin. <laughs> Vin? No, we'll get to that. Did you say Vin? Yeah, she's a magic Vin assassin. A, she's a different magic assassin. <laughs> how there many magic assassins magic are there? Assassin. All right, all right, all right. But to come, how many people did Shalon actually successfully that we can prove kill? She killed. There was Tien. her mom, her dad, Tien. Not Tien. Tyne. Why'd you say Tyne? Tien? No, no, not Tien. Tien. I said Tien. She also Tien. killed Karurin. I forgot her, her her exact name. Karurin? Well, everyone killed Karurin. Yeah. <laughs> Karurin's just oh. there to die, basically, no. and be resurrected. He's, he's a baller. He knows he's outclassed by baller. the Frieza saga, and he still shows up anyway. So you can count how many people she killed on, like, and in one, his one hand. And one, you don't her even mom, need your toes. <laughs> her mom, her dad, probably a cryptic. Uh, her... Her um, did she kill anyone since Tyne? She was indirectly responsible for a bunch of deaths in the last book. Sadius. Ah, that's all Adolin. Uh, Unsadius. Um, hey, that's funny, because Sadius did the same thing to Adolin. He basically riled him up. He's like, what you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? And Adolin's like, sword through the eye. Like, that's... Yeah, that's like, alright, so the honor sprint are like, what are you gonna do when we lock you up for eternity? <laughs> It's like the types of questions they're asking. What are you going to do? And stuff. Anyway, are you uh, going to continue, Mike, or or, or you want to switch over to me? So he loses the Rigadool. Uh, yeah, this is this, the trial goes real bad for him today. It went okay for him yesterday. It goes real bad for him today because he recognizes the thing that people have been telling him this whole time. <laughs> so like the he, funny thing... The funny thing is, like, there's a guy in the audience that purposely breaks the rules because the punishment of breaking the rules 
is worth the result that he's trying to get, which if I'm to believe the Mighty Ducks movie series is basically how hockey works. It's okay to murder somebody. If, it, if It's worth being in the penalty box for three minutes if you get to murder somebody. There's a positive hockey stat Wait, what? called PIMS. Penalties is this a Mighty minutes. Ducks thing? <laughs> Who was murdered? The Mighty Ducks That's... 2. Mighty Ducks 1, man. Uh, Emilio Estevez is the villain of that movie. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, but when was there a murder? This is, isn't this There's a no Disney murder, movie? But, you know, you get, into, you get put in the penalty box for, for fighting or... High okay, so very dangerously injuring somebody to take them out of the game. Okay, gotcha. Is worth three minutes in the penalty box or however long. Yeah, it's a resource, man. You just got to use it. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know oh. if that's actually how hockey works. And if it is, it's... No, I think that's how real hockey works and that's intended. It's just like yellow so... cards. They're, they're <laughs> currency. You can just collect so, so anyway. many of them. Adolin comes to this, like, shocking revelation of things that people have been telling him since he got here. Literally everyone has been telling him this since he got here, and it just, like, we we did a, a pull-in, zoom-out, camera move on his face as he gets it. If this were a TV sitcom, it would have actually jumped from outside him talking to Shalon to directly this moment. So yeah. Adolin... Like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go on trial, dear. And then... Jump cut to him being on trial. And, Adolin is yeah. an optimist. He had to try. I've defended him before, and I'm defending him again. He is an optimist, and he he's like there. There is a step. There is a chance, and he had to you know, take it, even though everyone told him no, and that this would be the outcome. Like he, yes. Adolin's also but, Adolin's also doing hockey style here. He's willing to take imprisonment for life to say what he has to say and try to reach any honor spread that he possibly can yeah he's also playing hockey yeah which is basically like dueling so i think he's all right uh is there are there more bullet points uh, that's for this just chapter, the first Dave? scene then we have uh, from shallan's perspective the rhythm of adolin's bare chest shallan votes to kill kellick but vale changes her vote can she change her vote who's running this election ellen but they don't need a majority. They only need two votes. Bum, bum, bum. Wait, who's the other vote, Dave? Tori. Tori didn't vote to kill Kellick. Uh, um, I don't know who it is then. Mm, weird. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird that this person formed an opinion, I'll say. They should form less of those. I mean, I don't know if, you, if this was in your guys' version, but there was like a weird typo uh, in my version where... For, like, the second half of this scene, Shallan's name was replaced by a different word, and it was weird. Mm-hmm, was it? Mm-hmm. Was it? Just, 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 just. Yeah, I think it, that it was Brandon, like, was like Brandon did the, like, the, did the sh- replace sh- sh- all in in his word processor. He did replace all, uh, and I think that he accidentally had this chapter selected when he did replace all. Evie. Evie. Chapter 91. Chapter 91. Worth saving. Kill it, get a die, evaporate. Involuntary hangover. From Tef's viewpoint, at the end of line hyphen, I definitely accidentally read storm blessed as storming blessed. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, lift is weird. Teft knows some people who should take quiet lessons from Dabid. I can think of a, the someone Teft knows. Teft talks about the time long ago when he killed his cryptic... Oh, wait. Wrong confession. 
<laughs> talks about when he betrayed his family. Amaram was not part of the Envisagers. Amaram's secret society started around 10 years ago. Teft betrayed his father, and his family turned out to be right-ish. Lyft is about to be very hungry here. Relaine flew over the cuckoo's nest. Fenderano was right. All right. Who's the funniest person to make recap this episode? I mean, chapter. I mean, chapter seven. The whole episode. You have to recap <laughs> the whole episode we've recorded so far. All right. Well, we started hey, that with It's only two hours of recapping, you know? Uh, then we did good things. Craig's was really quick because nobody had anything to say. And then Dave's was a little longer. Mine was a little longer. And the best one. And then Tori had one. And it was about a thing that I hadn't seen or read. But it was all about about a thing I had read or seen. And then we started doing... No, then we talked about the article that we're not talking about anymore. Then we started doing chapters. And now we're here. Don't forget when we stopped to talk about Shrek. Just now. No. <laughs> all right. How about uh, the chapter? Anyone want to recap the chapter? So, I'll do it. All right. Tori will do it. Yeah. I, I just. So Teft is uh, awake now because uh, Lyft uh, revived him. And uh, he's over there feeling like he's hungover. And he didn't get to have any fun first because uh, he's hungover. From... <laughs> that, reminds, that reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just hungover from being knocked out. Um, he's super happy about it though because like for the first time in years it isn't because he had a relapse this one wasn't his fault someone else gave him this hangover (laughs) he got I like it I mean I I like his reaction and uh, Lyft is weird because uh, of course she is Uh, no he's he's like uh, oh her powers still work that's weird Um, because she gets stormlight from eating and uh Okay, scroll down so I can see the rest of the notes. Uh, Teft knows some people, Lopin, who should take quiet lessons from David. That was the first thing that came to my mind as well. I was like, is he going to call the Lopin out? But he doesn't. Teft is too classy to do that. But I can think of it as someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Numahuka Makiaki Ailunamore, obviously. That's what we were all thinking, right? Yeah, the guy Craig, just talks too that much. That was what you were thinking? He talks was way Numa too Huka much. Was Numuhukumaki That's who you were thinking of? And now you're going to say the name that you were thinking of that was Numuhukumaki Ayalunamore? Craig? I'm not saying that. <laughs> but what if what if the patrons pay you to say it? <laughs> okay, I'll see money, then we'll say it. <laughs> you pay me enough, eventually I'll start saying it correctly. <laughs> I got to put up this tier now, don't I? <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Teft talks about when he killed his cryptic. No, um, he talks about uh, how his family died, and uh, he so they were part of this uh, weird um, cult thing where they were trying to. Bring wait, wait, wait. Are you saying saying there's a secret society on Roshar? No, I, I would never. I would <laughs> never. No, never. Say such uh, a there thing was like a that. secret society on Roshar. No. Mm-mm. We don't talk about Fight Club. Um, is that is that in our diagram, Tori? That we don't talk about Fight Club? It should yes. be. Yeah. No, if it was in the diagram, then that would require me to talk about it to put it in the diagram. So it's not in the diagram. Uh, where was I? Yeah, Teff's parents were in this weird cult thing where they were trying to bring back the Lost Radiance. And they were using weird methods of like uh, torture and self-flagellation to... like try and awaken their radiant powers and uh oh, they're, they're alamancers got it 
Right. I was going to say, essentially they, like the nobles that we saw in Scadrial. Like somebody heard about this thing and decided that they would try it. They tied themselves to railroad tracks like Snidely Whiplash and then got run over by railroads. You know, Which we're poking is, fun at this, but didn't it totally work for Kaladin? He was strung he up. Already had a, he already had a sprint, yes. But yeah. They skipped step one, Craig. <laughs> Get a sprint. Uh, we don't need that part. Um, anyway, so uh, Baby Teft, he was like eight years old, I think he said, um, found the whole cult thing like disturbing and scary. So, and, and like the, the cult thing had already killed his mom. Uh, presumably mm-hmm. she died in like the, the self-torture. Um, and so he went to the city lord and he was like, hey, city lord, you should know about what these people are doing because it's whack. And um, so Baby Teft, thought that everyone in the cult was just going to get arrested, but the city lord, like, had them all killed. Um, so Teft has been carrying this guilt around for all this time, but you know what? Because of uh, his experience with the crazy people, he knew what to look for when Kaladin started showing uh, radiant powers and then was able to uh, help Kaladin uh, heal from his wounds by providing stormlight, so uh, everything happens for a reason, I guess. And um, yeah, I don't think this Teft takes this to mean that he was wrong to be concerned about the cult, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's a correct conclusion. No, the, like, uh, the moral of the story is that it's okay if your whole family dies if it means that one person you know gets to become a radiant Shalon. <laughs> <laughs> so. so uh, yeah, and uh, then they talk about, um, hey, let's come up with a plan to save the uh, unconscious radiance because uh, Lyft can wake them up. and. Uh, but it's going to take a lot of food. Yeah, because she needs all the stormlight to revive them, and then they got to figure out how to... Um, Life light. Yeah, how to escape uh, afterwards, and uh, so they're kind of talking about it, and... Um, and Teft and Fenderana kind of exchange a look where uh, she's like, see, I told you you were a Radiant. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Um, it was very sweet. <laughs> Fenderana's pretty cool. She is. Forgot about the forgot about the part where Relaine was like, hey, we can go to the infirmary and pull the water cooler out of the wall and throw it at the window so that we can jump out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's their escape plan is like to jump out the window and see if the Windrunner's radiant powers kick in before they hit bottom. Hold on. (laughs) The plan is for Teft to jump, them to watch him, and then if he lives, then they do it. Yeah, it was Vlaine's idea to break the window and jump out, and Teft just volunteered to be the first one to jump out. So uh, I do want to address Dave's question here. What happened 10 years ago? So the Envisioners were like 40 years ago. We were told this. Uh... The mm-hmm. Sons of Honor were created roughly 10 years ago. Now, the assassination of Gavilar Brandon. happened, at, I think at this point, we're talking about eight years, seven to eight years, I believe. from Eight or eight and a half, I seven. think, somewhere in the there. The prologue says seven. Okay, so seven and the years prologue ago. And the, the prologue in the last book said six. The prologue in this book says seven. Yeah, from what we know, year. Gavilar and um, Kalek, whatever the heck his Jerk other name was. is, they were the ones who originally... Nailed created the sons of honor like we we are we yeah. are given this information before so we know that the sons of honor i think the sons of honor were trying to get the radiance back online that they so they also had a plan visitors with them 
But their plan involved, of course, I mean, we see this from Eshenai's perspective, making the a uh, desolation happen, because that would make the Radiants come back. So that was the Sons so of they're Honor's just, plan. they're not just trying to snap people. Right. Um, so they, yeah, they were about 10 years ago. The diagram was, you know, after Taravangian visited the cult cultivation. Or Okay, actually, I have a question for you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Who did Taravangian talk to? I think cultivation but i'm not sure i'm pretty sure actually i think pretty sure it was explicit that he talked to cultivation but he didn't that was his intention was not to go talk to cultivation his intention was to go talk to night watcher to ask for a yeah nobody man. nobody actually knows cultivations there except the three people who have spoken to cultivation yeah so, so we had so he s- didn't he saw cult he didn't go to see cultivation he went to see night watcher but then he saw cultivation okay so this is uh from oath uh, so Craig's referencing a block of note that I wrote that wasn't part of the bullet points. Well, I was just addressing your question. I'm trying to suss out what happened 10 years ago. And this is just kind of, it's like a seemingly throwaway line from Fendrana that they were like, oh, we thought that this was the same as the group Amaram was part of, but it turns out that Amaram's group started 10 years ago. So I was like, well, did the diagram, was that 10 years ago? But I, I do know, I can't think of somebody who died 10 years ago. Well, so so let me help you with I- at least one thing. In Oathbreaker, uh, Oathbreaker, Oathbringer, wait, yeah, it's Oathbringer. Uh, <laughs> That's the name of the sword. Sword? <laughs> so in chapter 114, <laughs> Cultivation tells Dalinar... This is the first time in centuries I've come personally to speak with one of you. So that is what cultivate. Now, she could be lying, but if this is true, then Dalinar was the first to see cultivation, and therefore Lyft and Taravangian would be after that point. I see. And again, that was Unless after Gavilar's... went centuries ago. And that we was after Gavilar's assassination. So, yeah. so that would be, you know, six to seven years ago is when Dalinar would have seen cultivation. Okay, so she Amaram. could be lying. Lift, she could be lying. Lift, lift went last week. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is this Nightblood time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says centuries, but does she say Roshar centuries? Oh, you got her there. Yeah. What? What if there's a planet in the Cosmere that has a just an orbit that's like two seconds? Hmm. I mean, nobody can live on it. That that's just not viable. But you know. I was imagining uh-huh. like. Whee! <laughs> Well, I guess I, mean, I, I guess it would absorb solar energy, like the whole planet at once. But uh, but the the weather system would be crazy ridiculous. That would just be like spinning around in circles. People do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm mm-hmm. thinking more of the the weather. That would probably not be a good thing. Oh man, it would suck to have a planet in this solar system that had really weird weather that inconvenienced everybody. Yeah. 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 So you know, you guys all know who died ten years ago, right? No, that's right. Who could it, was, it, be? It, it was the cryptic dead eyes. He was described as having been turned into a dead eyes about ten years ago. Now they say nearly ten years ago for Amaram Secret Society, which could be the Sons of Honor. But what if like, what if like Sadius actually killed that cryptic and not Shalon? We're being led to believe it was Shalon. Or what if Sadius even had like something to do with like Sadius? It's kind of weird because Shalon was in Yakaved. But Sadius is also like a high prince war general type guy, so he could probably get around. What if Sadius had a shard blade for a minute, and then like his whole deal 
after that was just, I want a shard blade again. Yeah. And we're ignoring the thing where uh, Radiance hear dead shard blades screaming every time they manifest them. He don't care. Sadius is deaf. That's why he didn't hear Dalinar calling for help at the tower. Oh, it all makes sense now. Well, now but- Sadius is half blind. <laughs> <laughs> But the only thing I can think of for, like, what significant event happened 10 years ago, and that cryptic being turned into a Deadeyes is a significant event that happened about 10 years ago. But it's just a weird throwaway line. It probably doesn't have any kind of hidden meaning. But, like, what else happened 10 years ago? I'll tell you. The Lopin was just walking around one day. The end. Yeah, he was counting how many years ago it was on both feet because he couldn't do it on both hands back then. End scene. Chapter 92. Gift. I'm sorry. <clears throat> All right. Cut back in in three, two, one. Chapter 92. A gift. The last... No. All right. Cut back in in three, two, one. Chapter 92. A gift. The list last dinner. And that's the end of this week's chapter. Cut back in in three, two, one. Chapter 92. Chord. <laughs> no, that's a different song. Here are my children. Chord, song, gift, and different song. <laughs> That's like uh, Cotton Hill from King of the Hill naming his his uh, other son Good Hank. <laughs> G-H for short. Um, in Phineas and Ferb, Doofenshmirtz's parents named the dog Only Son. <laughs> I thought they liked. Then, I like. I thought they liked his brother though. Well, then they had. Then they had another kid. Oh, was, yeah. I got it. Yeah, they became the mayor of Danville. Yeah, it was great. Is that all that you're, you've written for this chapter? Yeah, the list last in her. What else needs to be said? All right. So this is Venley talking to Raboniel, uh, essentially giving a report, and she actually has a, a bit of a. I wouldn't say heart to heart, but she is a little bit honest with Raboniel, basically saying that she does feel like uh, that she's ashamed and to blame with her people's downfall. Like she she tells it honestly, and Raboniel respects it. Uh, Raboniel essentially says, "Okay, well you're done. Uh, we're basically done here. I'm almost done with the siblings, so." Here you go for your service. I know you were a spy, but that's okay. You did your good job. Here, I found this information, and she gives Venli a map, which apparently we see some listeners, which are also known as Prashendi, uh, apparently living on the Shattered Plains. And then Venli rushes off. So in this, Rabonial Rabonial expresses Mm. regret for not writing uh, Venli's spy reports for her (laughs) and just wasting everybody's time. (laughs) <laughs> and Raboniel's great. And also we find out that Raboniel actually like really, really likes Leshwi. Like Leshwi is one of her favorite people. But Leshwi doesn't happen. like her back. Tragic. Right. Alright. Alright. I don't think we need to go into spoilers this week. <laughs> I don't it's think you decide that. <laughs> you can leave though, Dave. Wow, alright. Alright, okay, Dave. Dave. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I have oh, a thing for oh, Dave. Welcome back, Boom. Dave. Okay. I'm sorry, uh, I just tricked you. If is Brandon Sanderson the kind of writer who will kill those people off now that we have gotten confirmation that they were alive at some point in the past, but before Venley gets there? Or is he the kind of writer who will kill them off after Venley reunites them to further hurt Venley? Uh, these are our only two choices, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it. 
I, uh, Brandon doesn't kill as many people as he purports to. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, Yasna. Uh, are, are you referring to Moash? Come on, Yasna. Stay dead. Marsh. Jeez, Marsh. Kelsier. I mean, Yasna. I'm referring to Marsh, Rayadin, you name it. Rayadin? <laughs> it's like in the first chapter that you see him that he's now, and he's not, okay, technically. Yeah, but Serene thought that he was dead. They are not pool dead. Of oblivion. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I was remembering that scene where he fell in the pool, and we're like, "Oh no, no, wait, he's fine." I, th- I thought we were talking about the the Rio. Which... Maybe that. Maybe all right. Maybe the guy that wrote the article only read a long chest. <laughs> no, I knew what it was called the Rio, and that's what I thought you were referring to. Kelsier, Kaladin. Wait, Kelsier did die though. Did, yeah, I mean, by technicality, light song. <laughs> Yeah, light song. He totally died. Yeah, he and, died. and came back, and then he died. R.I.P. Blush. All right, I'm actually done with Dave now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they don't have to die. That, that's. I hope they don't die. I mean, because otherwise, then Rolaine will have to do icky things he doesn't want to have to do with Menly. You know. I mean, it. The genetic line isn't ended, dude. Just, just their culture. And that's how geneticists are like actors. <laughs> All right. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. End scene. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, the thing has been played. What are we talking about? So, what Dave was talking about, 10 years ago, Testament was killed essentially because that is when shalon killed her mother did we actually need dave to not be here for this because i feel like he's got it well we were waiting for him to forget it and move on but he we were waiting for him to forget it and move on but he didn't he's he's holding on to this one good i don't think we're gonna fool him on this one guys he's he's, he's got it focused on the cryptic though he's not focused on oh but why did the cryptic die like why did the cryptic cross the road so, yeah, he, he's figured that out, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is our pet theory that Shalon's mom is a herald, because this sort of lines up, because 10 years ago would be when Shalon killed her mother, which would send her Ch- Chanaresh, whatever her name Chanarek. is, Chanarek, back into Bree. So that would be 10 years ago when that happened. So that, that like time frame like really fits up for like something weird happening 10 years ago. But I forget why Dave was was focusing on the Ten. Aside from that's just when the Sons of Honor were also created, was roughly around the same time. He was just trying to work out timelines, which... Okay. Silly Dave. Brandon Sanderson doesn't share timelines with us. So, so my current thought is Sons of Honor... I mean, Skybreakers always existed. Sons of Honor were created, you know, roughly 10-ish years ago with Gavilar, because that was his plan at the time. He was hearing visions from Stormfather. Uh, or seeing visions, I'm sorry, from Stormfather. So he creates a Son of Honor. Well, hold up, hold up. Stormfather, with air quotes. Okay, that's true. We don't know what's going on yet. But no, 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 he definitely were, was seeing visions. That I think he was receiving visions, but there's something weird going on. Yeah. But was Stormfather the one actually talking to him? Because I don't think so. Yeah, I got heavy I doubts think it's us. If you don't know what we're talking about, there was an early like uh, prologue given to us. So that's not not just us, not exclusively our podcast. No, no, it's a deep dive podcast. You're here first. We got connections. Um, 
It's the so like from the from the newsletter connections. I wish we had connections, but yeah. So we we, that's what we're talking about is that prologue. We have read it. I apologize if this is news to you, but maybe by the time you watch this, listen to this episode, it would be out. And Um, you are in spoiler time. To be fair. So yeah, that was they essentially they came out first, Sons of Honor, and then we had the whole thing with Shalon and her mom. going down which might or might not be related and then sometime shortly around then gavilar is pretty much done actually i think it was slightly before because because shallan's mom is killed the night of the assassination i i think we got that from a word of brand right am i speaking out my am i wrong well that doesn't really line up with the with the we have a well no because she could have totally killed her cryptic 10 years ago and then Oh, she can still summon him as a shard blade. Well, no, because she can still summon oh, him as a shard right. blade. Unless they're just rounding and saying 10. Because, the okay, so I do have the Coppermine Testament. 1165 Testament left Shazmar to form a Nahal bond. She later bonded to Shalon. In a duration of about two years, Shalon and Testament bond progressed for her to summon Testament as a shard blade. So it would be 1167. Okay, so my apologies. It was eight years ago when Shalon killed her mother, which is roughly during the night of the assassination. That lines up. Mm. And I guess eight is about ten if you're if you're talking about when a dead eyes showed up that you weren't really paying attention because there's dead eyes everywhere because humans are monsters. When when did we hear that Shalon's mom died that same night? Um, I don't I don't remember that. Oh, that would, it's not yet. That would almost certainly have to be word of Brandon. Chapter one fifteen is when we're going to get more information about that night, so we can't talk about it with Dave yet. Well, that that's where but we. But I want to talk about it with Dave. I want Dave to be spoiled. Th- th- we're we're going to get to have more new stuff book. to read. Hey, what are we going to do when we run out of stuff? Because we are going to run out. We're of stuff. We're not going to run out of stuff. Hey, Tori, uh, you're keeper of the diagram. When are we currently slated to run out of stuff? I don't know. I'd have to pull it up. Hang on. I, th- I think we're good at least through book five of yeah, Stormlight Archives. We, we got time, Mike. Because, like, w- what we're doing ne- after this is uh, Lost Metal, correct? I think Lost Metal and then Tress. Yeah. So we're good for, like, the next year. And then we've got Secret Projects 3 and 4 because Secret Project 2 is non-Cosmere. Correct. And then we'll and have, then we'll have Stormlight 5. five yeah. Uh, which is early 2025, I believe, is the current estimate for that one. It's going to be here sooner before we we realize. Okay, so, so trying to understand, I, I do want to pull up the word of Brandon, because I could have sworn I I thought someone, if I could find it, I'll dig it up, but I thought Shalon's mom was killed the same time as Gavilar's assassination, which we suspected was happening based on that prologue chapter from Stormlight 5. Oh, and the other big uh, thing from that, Pro- from that revealed prologue that isn't published officially yet, so everything in it can change, and we could just be talking out of our butts, uh, is that Teravangian was attempting to join the Sons of Honor. Yeah. Which may mean that he hadn't diagrammed yet. He shouldn't, because if... He shouldn't, well... He doesn't see... If if Cultivation didn't lie, Teravangian doesn't go until after okay. uh, Dalinar did. Dip, hmm? Dab, dab, dip, dip, dab. Dib, dab. <laughs> uh... He hasn't had his day of genius yet, so he hasn't written the document called the diagram. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he hasn't started recruiting people for a secret society that then gets a name change based on the name of him painting his room in his own poop. This is fair. Okay. 
So having scrolled all the way to the bottom of the diagram, uh, the diagram thinks we're good until the middle of 2026. There you go, Mike. We got like three years. We, yeah, but what do we do then? Job secure. Read white there, sands. There will be more stuff by then. <laughs> I'm so sure. Um, I don't want to read white sand. <laughs> okay, so um, it sounds like we need to do some research. Uh, what are the timeline points that we need to figure out? Like, Well, Gavilar's assassination is the known. So we want everything relative to that. So Shallan's mom being killed. When is that in relation to Gavilar's assassination? And also, when does Shallan kill Testament? Is that the same time? Is that a separate event? What's up there? I think we're going to get that in this book because she talks about when that happens. From what the wiki says, um, after she later used to kill her mother in self-defense, horrified by what she had done, still only a child and a state of grief and trauma, Shallan broke her bond to Testament the same day, blaming her. We get that from Words of Radiance, Chapter 88. Well, yeah, she breaks her bond the same day she kills her mom, but is that the same day okay. that Gavilar was assassinated? So that's interesting, though, because Testament came... So while Gavilar was doing his thing and still alive, I, I mean, we can definitely confirm that, Sprin were coming over, and Shalom was one of the first ones forming a bond. So they, the Sprint apparently knew that something was happening, that the uh, the last desolation was coming. Final desolation? Um, but what do we call this one again? That would have been okay. Maybe they noticed the the storm in Shades. The true desolation. That's the one. All the all the storm sprint trying to come over, like all the void sprint. Yeah, gathering. Okay, and and that's when they're sprinter like we need to start bonding people because that timeline adds up. Because that's oh. about the same time. And Yasna had her her scuffle with Ivory that same night, and that's this is before she started bonding with Ivory. But when they realized they could start bonding, it was that day. So. The cryptics and a single ink spren, uh decided to try to bond somebody. Presumably, a few others also did, but Nail got to them. Yeah, that he did. Uh, we know, we know Tien was in the process of bonding, and that would be you know whenever that. I don't I don't know the time frame of that. Maybe that's something else we need to look up uh, when Kaladin and Tien were were fighting. I could probably look up when Tien died. Actually, well, when did the bond start for Tien? Like, was it still in Hearthstone? Because he was doing artsy stuff then. He was, like, carving things. Tien died in 1169, which would be two years after Gavilar's assassination. So I'm making a list here. What what other things do we want to sort out the timeline for? He um, swore at least the first oath. I mean, the it's all recent stuff. Because, like, the false desolation and the recreants and the the other names for things that all might be the same thing. And I might just be, like, shoving them all together. Whatever. All the old stuff. It doesn't really matter exactly when it happened. Mm -hmm. But just, like, we want to know exactly when Shallan's mom died and exactly when Teravangian right. went to Cultivation and, uh, like, and Dalinar and Lyft while we're at it. Um, and was was there a fourth person who went to Cultivation? Did Cultivation just straight up, like, take over for Nightwatcher? Or was no, it we only know three. these three specific people? Mm. Th these are the pieces that she has created I as mean, far as we know. It could be that she was just, she had a wild hair on one single day and everybody went and saw her on that particular day. Like, <laughs> she was like, no, I'm going to work the desk today. And these were all the people who came. So 
All we know is that Tian swore the first ideal by the time that he was killed. So whatever length of time that happens to be for a Lightweaver, which I think we've seen Shallan bonding with Pattern, and that... So, what's the time frame of that? That's less than a year. Well, Shallan started with the second oath with Pattern. She went straight to a tr- to a to a truth. Maybe that's like a, she a, didn't even she didn't even jump in with a life before death, honor before weakness, pancakes before pancakes. She jumped straight into I'm terrified. These words are accepted. Okay, maybe that's just something with her being a former bonding a, a, another cryptic that she was allowed to essentially go straight to the second ideal. Could be. It's not like Kaladin had to restate his oaths when he almost killed Syl. Right. But this is also a different spren. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, man. All right. Stuff's weird. Time frame. But it, it's all it's all coming together. There's a lot of stuff that happened roughly around that same time. But I, I think the key takeaway is that the spren knew something was up right around then. And, I mean, it's, it's like what you said. Uh, we've been seeing these flashbacks from Fenley and Esh and I, and they've, they've been pulling these um, void spren for a while now. Like, the storm, the Everstorm has been in the Cognitive Realm nearby for a while now and Gavilar was definitely doing something not necessarily with the void spring because he was pulling other types of of investiture out question for you mm. uh back to Teravangian and joining the sons of honor at that point had he already started bleeding people to get moloch visions i think that was from I know, the, the i know that the was mentioned in the diagram but like he definitely could have started that earlier right like that's for people in the know, like that's a known entity on Roshar. I I'm I thought it came after the diagram, is my opinion. But that Which, that's like, just my opinion. That information might lead him to start seeking out Oh, I got ways I got dates for you. Things. I got dates for you. Okay. Death rattles were apparently moderately common in Shinovar at some time between eleven thirty eight and eleven sixty six, as Zeth recounts the phenomenon. And keep in mind Gavilar's uh, assassination is 1167. So what was going on in Shinovar to kill a bunch of people to draw Moalak there? Yeah. Mm. That's a good question that I think next book will address, huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe. So, yeah, so Moloch was hanging out in there at that time. The emergence of the Death Rattles in the east appears to coincide with the expedition of King Gavilar Colin of Elakar, where the Prashendi were first encountered in 1165. So roughly around... Gavilar meeting the Prashendi, which isn't too much longer until his assassination. Like, that, that is not a long time between those those things. Okay, so the Thrill likes to hang around with the Alethi because the Alethi fight a lot. Yeah. And Moloch generally is also where the Thrill is, for the same reasons. Well, the Death right? Rattles, the, the Moloch was hanging out in, you know, Carbrath. Because Teravangian drew him there by killing a bunch of people. True. So that, but without... But without fighting, can we agree? Which didn't draw the thrill that feeding and unmade is not really a good idea. Well, unless it's the Midnight Mother, and then she makes cute little panther kitties. Oh yeah, okay. And all you really need to do is just get them wet, and then you can take them over with your mind. <laughs> I was thinking the little like sponge things that like the little dinosaur you get it wet and like poof, big yes. dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> little smoke panther kitties. Uh, this has all been interesting. The only other thing I wanted to ask about is. From what I remember, Formless is still Shallan, right? Like, Formless is not a fourth identity. Right. Correct. It's it's just Shallan sort of giving in to her darker impulses, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Just not wanting to take responsibility for her own 
admittedly bad decisions. Because uh, I remember reading these chapters specifically the first time, and I'm like, oh no, Formless is like, out. I'm like, this this Shallan, is bad. Shalon, you you have been avoiding taking responsibility for your own bad decisions your whole life. Girl, you don't need another another name for this. <laughs> it can just be you. Uh, I, I was so scared, and the only thing that I was glad it was happening was that Vale still seemed to be present within her, but Raining is, like, locked away and gone. It's just Shallan and Vale at this point, which Vale, I think we get told later on, Vale was created to protect Shallan. That was what she was doing. That form. That, I'm sorry, that identity. It really is identity. Yeah. Whereas Radiant was actively created to train with a sword yep I, I always felt radiant was the weaker of the three identities just because it was sort of like let me just make up this person after the fact i want someone that's like yasna boom radiant veil seemed like there was more thought and and more put into her so i always considered veil to be a more important identity compared to radiant but this book we get a lot from like radiant and we won't even have veil after this apparently because veils veils <sighs> removing herself sad well, I'm out of stuff. I also. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't think I have anything else I want to talk. I have bullet points, but I'm not going to go through them. Okay. Uh, well, in a week, we'll have Secret Project number two, which is not Cosmere, so we can talk about it or not. But for now, there isn't one yet. I will probably read that one slower, since it's not Cosmere related. I will probably read it at the same pace that I read all things, which is apparently slower than Craig. <laughs> Yo, guess what, Mike? I started doing a reread of Cradle. Yeah, I'm getting ready. Are you ready for the Captain? Are you excited for the Captain? I don't know what that means. Uh, the first book of the new series. It's coming out next month. There's a new series? Yeah. Will White has been, like, the time between, since the last Cradle book yeah. until now. Yeah. He was finishing the Cradle book and also starting a new book in a new series. Oh, that's cool. I'll check it out. So, new new book comes out next month, and then final Cradle book comes out in June. And Tori, you need to read these. I'm, I'm looking forward to the final Cradle book, but we'll see what the other new series is. Uh, well, the new series is basically uh, a whole team of people who have already had their own series and and escaped their world. Like, is it in the same meta-universe as Cradle? Yeah. Apparently, all of Will White's books are in the same like metaverse. Guys, I figured out what our next podcast will turn into while we're waiting for Brandon. <laughs> We figured uh, I'm, it I'm, out. I'm, I suggested this in the in the chat, in the text chat, when we were talking about this. Anyway, I'm going to get off okay. here. Bye. Good night, Internet. Bye. No, I cl- right. click stop. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening.